I am Naya Swami Maria, and this is Naya Swami Ananta, and it's our joy to be here today with you all, those of you uh, especially who are here as guests at the Expanding Light or Ananda Village, and as well those of you who are viewing this Sunday service online. It's a beautiful day here at Ananda Village. We're surrounded by blooming lotuses in the background here, and we've got a cool, heavenly breeze. So, okay, I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light, and these are weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. And this week's topic, today's topic, is Do You Need a Guru?, Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Many people scoff at the idea of having a guru. True to human nature generally, they make a virtue of their scoffing. I am responsible for what I do, they announce, responsible for my mistakes as well as for my victories. What would I ever learn if I handed over my development to someone else? To depend on another for guidance would be an act of spiritual cowardice. It would be understandable for someone gifted with some trivial ability, for instance, with words, to insist on doing his crossword puzzle himself without letting anyone else help him. But supposing, even in such trivial matters, he had no such gift, what virtue would there be in refusing to learn? For that matter, moreover, where do our gifts come from? They are not a native ability. Still, crossword puzzles are hardly an important challenge. What if a person wanted to do something daring, to climb a cliff, for instance, but refused to study the art of mountain climbing? He would climb at the risk of his life. And how much more is risked than physical life in the great adventure of the divine search, where the risk is to salvation itself. Where is the sacrifice in seeking guidance? Even a mountain guide wouldn't presume to do one's climbing for one. His purpose would be only to help the neophyte to climb safely. To have a wise guru is not a sign of weakness, but of plain common sense. All the saints, aware as they are of the hazards of the adventure, agree on the importance of having a guide or guru. And these are the heroes speaking, not cowards or spiritual weaklings. Jesus emphasized the importance of having a teacher by asking John to baptize him. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 3, we read 
of his coming to John. Thus, Jesus said to John, It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In the Bhagavad Gita, the fourth chapter, Sri Krishna says, Open thyself to those who have attained wisdom. They will be thy teachers. Ask questions of them, both verbally and mentally. Serve them faithfully and with devotion. How is the devotee to recognize one who has attained wisdom? The Bhagavad Gita gives us this inspiring description of the sage. By this sign is he known, being of equal grace to comrades, friends, chance comers, strangers, lovers, enemies, aliens, and kinsmen, loving all alike, evil or good. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. would like to welcome you all. It's a, an honor to share together uh, truth and uh, Sunday service is an opportunity to do that. It's especially fun to talk about the Guru and uh, we were lucky to get that uh, opportunity. Uh, I'd, I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity in a second, but I'd like to uh, talk today about the need for a Guru, but I'd like to begin by talking about the two forces that exist in this world. And one is the power of delusion, power of darkness. Maya is the term that uh, is given in Sanskrit. This is the force that divides everything, separates everything. This is the force that keeps us tied to the ego. And the other force is the guru. It's the dispeller of darkness. And that's the force that is in this universe, in all of its forms, helping us and pushing towards a unitive consciousness, towards a realization of divine love, towards an understanding of bliss, and sees past the entire world of Maya, which is all the bad stuff. All the gu is the, is the Sanskrit word. It's ru is destroyer of, gu is darkness. So it's gu. You know what gu is. <laughs> Same in Sanskrit as English. So I'd like to read the salutation to the great preceptor. Bearing the bliss of Brahma, happiness supreme, wearing the image of wisdom, beyond the dispute of any qualities, Free as the limitless sky, knower of all there is to be known, thou perennial taintless one, witness of all happenings, beyond all conceptions boundaries, uncolored by good, bad, and active qualities, 
my ever-awake preceptor, I bow to thee. This is the universal guru. This is the force that is manifest as goodness. And interestingly, when Maria did the reading, this uh, truth seeker says, why would I turn over my control to anyone else? Good point. Why do I need someone to help me? I need to stand on my own two feet and put out some energy. Good point. The only shade of problem is the Maya because it gets a little seed and it starts to cover the truth and confuse the truth. And it starts to mix us up. And it's part of your intellect. It's part of your ego. And it's that force which keeps us, as soon as it sees light and clarity, it start, tries to muddy up the waters and pull us away from that. But we have within us, every human being, the spark of the divine because we've come from God. And so the reason that we ask about spiritual growth and spiritual progress is because in the back of our soul, coming through the back of our mind, we remember that harmony and peace and divine love and wisdom and world brotherhood and kindness and beauty are our birthright. And that this other bickering and ego and jealousy and revenge and darkness and fighting and division, I won't need to list the other qualities. You, you know them well, but we see them all around us, don't we? We see friction and hatred and revenge and it resonates with us. Something inside of us says wrong, bad. I don't like that. And the guru is that force which says what we need is light. Come on, children, wake up. <laughs> the dawn is breaking. Look around. We have a day by day, minute by minute, second by second decision to make, which is the part of reality that we want to embrace, that we want to follow. I have been representing and a member of Ananda for a long time, and I cannot think of one, maybe because I can't think of one or two, but I can't think of one instance in which when the philosophy of our teachings is explained to someone, however shortly, a one-sentence description, I have never experienced someone saying, I don't agree with that. They always say, you know, I've always thought that. I've, al I've always, and I'll, t I'll, I'll say something hopefully non-threatening for 20 years, Marie and I were the pastors in Ananda, Sacramento. And so you're talking to the Elks Club and the Moose Club and the, the Masons. And <laughs> I talked to one group of Masons one time. Our, our policy was if they want to hear about us, we're coming. So <laughs> that, that philosophy got us into trouble a lot of times. <laughs> anyway, we were invited to a Masons satsang meeting. They wanted to know about yoga. So I came. And, and I noticed that the group was elderly. <laughs> they were veterans, mostly of World War II. I hope not in World War I. Um, but, and I, and, and, the, and this, this wonderful elderly gentleman came up to me and he said, well, we want to know about yoga and meditation and, and what Ananda is. And I said, oh, great. He said, now our youngest member is 76. <laughs> and I went, 
okay. <laughs> so, but, but still, when I talked about our philosophy of yoga as union with the divine, I didn't use the word guru, but I was talking about that flow of energy. He, they said, yeah, I, I've always thought that. I've always felt that harmony, that we're all, all people in all nations are seeking that. So then the differentiation that the guru adds, and, and Swami goes on to talk about the need for a guru more than just a universal movement towards oneness, but to tune in to that teaching and see your own potential as a part of that and realize that you have that within you. Now, if I were to ask you, and you don't have to show hands or say yes or no, but if I asked you, do you see yourself as potentially a Christ, a Buddha, a Yogananda? Can you honestly say yes? If you can't say yes, then you have spiritual work to do because you must attain that state of being open to the possibility that you're Kuan Yin. You're the Buddha in that little body with your little problems and your bankruptcy coming up and child custody support and going to court on Monday and the traffic ticket and two teenage children. You're the Buddha behind all that. You're the Buddha. You're Christ. Paramahansa Yogananda one time was talking to Swami Kriyananda. Swami Kriyananda was a young man and he played in a tableau and he played the part of Christ. And Yogananda said, how'd it go? Kriyananda said, well, it went good, sir, but I'd rather um, be like Christ than look like him. And Yogananda said, that will come. And I would say to each one of you, that will come to you. You need to make way for that. You need to have a place in your consciousness where you realize that you are like the guru. You are part of the guru. And in fact, in the final analysis, you are the guru. You're not any of the ego. You're none of this. All the little problems and phobias and fears and all that stuff, that's part of a dream world. That's part of the Maya. Maya is very, very serious business. It is incredibly crafty. And I, take it from me, take it from anybody who's been on this path, take it from anyone back through time. This is serious confusion here that we don't recognize that we are children of one father. We don't recognize that we're like the guru and that Yogananda was not being encouraging to Kriyananda and he was not being specific to Kriyananda saying that will come. The guru sees, as I just read, beyond this appearance to the reality. The reality of it is that we are all beings of light. We're made of light. And this entire delusion, this entire darkness, and all the fears and all the hatred and suffering and revenge in the world is a shadow show. It isn't real. And that's where the masters live. They live in that light. There were three outstanding disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda. Well, there was many, but my three favorites are Sister Gyanamada, Rajasi Janakananda, and Swami Kriyananda. Why? Because all they did 
was try to get in tune with that consciousness of the guru and let it come into their hearts. Open your heart to me and I will enter and take charge of your life. And that's what Rajasi did. And that's what sister did. And that's what Kriyananda did. And Kriyananda, lucky for us, chronicled his process from birth to when he left. He wrote the new path. He talked to us on a daily basis about how he saw things, about what master was doing, about what the master is, what the guru really is. And he showed us it wasn't that man. Don't forget, Yogananda left the body in 1952. And from 1952 till 2013, Kriyananda had to develop the guru as the inner voice of his own self. He had to tune in to Yogananda. He had to, as it said in the reading, ask him questions and listen to the answer. <laughs> Asking questions, everyone's in favor of that. But no, you got to listen to what he says and then you have to do it. Kriyananda had to do that and he did it. And he told us, you know, when he first came here and we were a bunch of young 20-year-olds, he would look at us with this look and he would tell us these stories about how master saw him and we could feel that master was telling us, you can do it. You're not going to always be a 21 year old goofy kid. You're going to grow up to be a great disciple. If you meditate, if you tune in, if you serve the guru, if you tithe, if you serve, if you love, if you continue to push the limits of what you think you're capable of doing until it coincides with the Christ consciousness. If you were crucified and all the people who put you up there were standing around, would you say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Big stretch. You can do it. Why do I, how do I know you can do it? Because you are a part of the guru. You have that consciousness. We saw it in Kriyananda. He just kept growing. He just kept asking us, come with me. Let's grow. Let's be bigger. Let's start a village based on world brotherhood. Let's, let's go beyond race and nation to one world family. God is our father. Let us live that way and let us have a grocery store and let us have an expanding light and let us take care of the land and let us have a membership process and let us have chanting and let us have centers in the cities. Let's have schools on and on and on. He never ran out of the vistas of master's vision. Why not? Because the guru's infinite. You're never going to get there if you think about it. And that's the trick of Maya. That's why you need the guru. Because you don't have an infinite mind. You have a finite mind. You have a rational mind. You have a degree from some university. You have an IQ of whatever you have. Fantastic. But you don't have intuition Unless you open to the intuition of God, it's within you. It's within all of us. And every one of the saints has done that. The Christian saints, the gurus, Christ, Buddhist saints, gurus, Buddha, Hindu saints, they have lots of gurus. It's the best religion. <laughs> we've got, we've got Shri Teshwar and master and Lahiri and Babaji and Jesus but we have that consciousness and it's reflected differently in each one of them. And it's reflected differently in each one of you and each one of us. We have different personalities. Okay. Swami Kriyananda was like the smartest guy on the planet. Okay. So what? 
He's a great composer. Okay. I can't even barely read music. (laughs) So what? It doesn't matter because you have your own gifts and the guru is the light within you and it animates you. And it is the power of you to love. What if we change the question, do you need a guru to do you need love? (laughs) My ratings just went up. (laughs) My polls are skyrocketing here. Yeah, we all need love, don't we? Don't we need peace? Don't we need harmony? Don't we need wisdom? Yeah, we do. Well, we need a guru then. Why don't we get with it? Because the ego is just sitting there going, why would you ask someone else? (laughs) Because that someone else isn't someone else. It's you. It's your own highest self. You have that ability. You have that power. And that was what Master brought. And that's what Rajasi got. (laughs) Master said, how did Rajasi get there? By listening. He just listened to the guru. And then he did it. Sister just listened. Whenever I think of sister, the next day her, her letter arrives. Just inner attunement. And that's what we saw in Swami. Even to the end of his life. Now, don't forget, Kriyananda became a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. He found his guru at the ripe old age of 22. And uh, he remained a disciple until he left, 2013. 65 years, he worked on being a better disciple. He tried to be a better guru. You think... College is what, four years, graduate degrees, two years, 65 years, just trying to tune in. What did master mean? And as he tuned in to the consciousness, you saw his consciousness rise to merge with that consciousness of Yogananda, Babaji, Christ, Buddha, Moses, on and on. He saw it all the time. And he he did, in the very last few years of his life, say, it's hard to know where Yogananda ends and Kriyananda begins. Well, duh. (laughs) We're watching this process. He's telling you what we want to do is tune into Yogananda. Yeah. But the two disappear. So you don't need someone else. You just need your own higher self. The master says, open your heart to me and I'll enter and take charge of your life. But it's not someone else taking control. It's you. You know you can live better. You know you can forgive. You just know it's hard. You don't want to do it. Okay. For now. But you will come to that. And the sooner you come to it, the better it's going to feel. Because as long as you're not touching the guru's consciousness, there's a little teeny uncomfortableness in you. There's a little bit of dissatisfaction. That's why people come to the spiritual path because there's a universe is set up and we could argue about Maya because, you know, a lot of us thinks it's a terrible idea and we want to vote it out of, of office, but it's the way it is. (laughs) But the good thing about it is that it pushes us ever so subtly and sometimes violently towards God, towards love towards opening our hearts and changing the way we live so that we live more like the guru. And that's everything that Kriyananda gave us and everything that Yogananda gave us and everything that Sri Teshwar gave us is live in that consciousness of the guru. Love heroically. That's what Kriyananda used to say. Love heroically. He also used to say, and this is one of my favorite quotes, I'm not against anything. 
I'm just for things. Say yes to life. That was one of his mantras. That's, that's one of his sayings. Say yes to life. Embrace it. Why? Embrace the guru. Boo delusion. Yes, guru. Embrace it. Go for it. And change your life. So what we have to do, each one of us, the formula is going to be different. We have to construct our life so that the guru is with us all the time. Going to work. At work. Eating lunch. Playing golf. Disciplining your children. Talking to your teenagers. In your relationships. In every part of our life. The guru shines as light, as harmony, as peace. And we have to construct our life. And that is called sadhana. That's why Ananda Village is the way Ananda Village is. That's why the colonies are. That's why they're always changing. Not because the path changes, but because the times change. Because we need to embrace the unchanging. That was one of the qualities of the guru. Unchanging. Reality. The duality, the Maya is changing all the time. It is so tricky. You think you're doing a good thing and you're doing a bad thing. I cannot tell you how many times Swami Kriyananda would, pos- would pose a theoretical question and I would get it wrong. <laughs> he would say, now we wouldn't want to do that, would we? And I'd say, no, no. And he'd say, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and here's why. Because he was operating from a higher level. The other component that no new age teacher or what do they call them? Uh, New age or self-improvement people. I love them all. I I worked in a new age bookstore for 11 years. I mean, I love them all. It's absolutely wonderful. It's good. But the thing that they can't give you that a guru can is the energy of cosmic consciousness. That comes from the vibration of Christ and Krishna and Buddha. We've had a couple of pilgrimages lately. One was the next generation. Ananda went to Assisi. And one of our members talking about going to St. Clair's place. St. Clair lived 800 years ago. And her, the place where she left the body, the place where she ate her dinner, has a vibrant, dynamic element of cosmic consciousness 800 years ago she lived why because she was one with the christ consciousness that was her guru assisi italy the another pilgrimage went to spain and they went to where um alfonso and ferdinand lived five eight hundred years ago too uh and the vibration of cosmic consciousness lingers there where Trace Avila lived 500 years ago. It stays because the consciousness is unchanging. The consciousness is the guru. That is the one differentiation between the best New Age teachers, the best motivational speakers, the best book writers of the New Age, and the guru is the consciousness that they possess. And when you meet or met Kriyananda, when you go to the Moksha Mandir, when you go to the places where Yogananda lived, when you meet saints, the vibration and the consciousness is beyond the rational mind. Pilgrimage is a good thing. Meeting the saints, going to where they lived, where their body is, where their meditation was. 
because it pushes you up. I mean, if I was meditating in a room and I'd be meditating just as best as I could. And when Kriyananda would walk in, I didn't know it was him. When he would walk in the room, I would go way up, way up from the best I could do. I was doing my best. I was trying my hardest, but there was an added bonus. It was the grace of the guru. Om guru, om guru. So put your life in harmony with that guru. Sing the songs of the guru. Chant, meditate. Look at every part of your life and see, how can I, how can I hone this just a little bit? How can, I, how, can I, how can I look at the world? How can I look at my work? How can I look at my friendship? What, what can I take on? How can I, my prayers be better? How can I help to feel that consciousness, which is all around us? It's in every one of us. It is a big help to live in a community where people, where everyone, everyone that works for you and with you is doing the same thing. That's a big help. <laughs> but if you don't live in a community and you have to go to the auto parts store or the tractor repair place, you've got to hold that consciousness too. And you've got to see that's God too. They may not be as conscious of it, but they're, it's still God. When master went to places, he didn't say, oh, you're not a child of God. <laughs> no, he said, oh. This is a child of God who's not as conscious. And he'd, you know, ask them something. Yogananda used to go to the drive-in in in, uh, Los Angeles, Southern California. And in those days, the waitress would roller skate over with your milkshake and fries. And Paramahansa Yogananda was in the car once. I don't know who he was with. I would think the nuns, but it it could have been anyone. Anyway, this girl came. And she was bringing Paramahansa Yogananda his milkshake and French fries, whatever he had. And Paramahansa Yogananda said to her, he said, oh, thank you. What church do you go to? And she said, oh, I go to the Lutheran church. And he said, oh, very good. That's all he said. And then she roller skated off to the next customer, next milkshake and fries. He didn't need to tell her about self-realization coming to his church. She was going to church. She's moving directionally in the right place. She's in tune with the guru. Probably as much as she could. Probably, not even more than probably, definitely, as much as she could. Because if not, he would have said something else. But that's what he said. To each person, you saw this with Kriyananda too. He never judged whether you were on a spiritual path or living a good life or something. But if he saw an opening to steer you towards doing better, he would give it to you. Because he is you. He's a part of you. The masters see all of us as part of their own self. And that's what Kriyananda saw in us. That's what Yogananda sees in you right now. Or your own guru. I don't want to be sectarian. If you have another guru, good. But your guru sees you in that way. As part of the guru. As a being of infinite love. Just waiting to open. You have to wait until the tomatoes flower. And then they fruit. And then they have to get red. Then you pick them. Then they're red. Then they're ripe. You can't hurry it. You can't wait until it's the right moment. You just work with what is. That's how the gurus see the world. Live that way. If you have brother disciples, sister disciples, wonderful. If you work with people that don't even want to hear the G word, that's okay. You still can bless them silently with formless Christ, no name Christ. (laughs) You can love. You can serve. You can be a beacon of light in this world. That's why we do the peace and harmony prayer. 
Because this world wants the guru. It doesn't want this friction. It doesn't want this hatred. It doesn't want these people blowing each other up. That's not what we're here for. But we can't go out and stop it. But the guru can stop it. We can stop it together with his grace because we're part of the guru. So we do the peace and harmony prayer. And again, everyone likes the peace and harmony prayer. Have you found anyone that says, I don't like the peace and harmony prayer. It is very peaceful and very harmonious. (laughs) And I don't like it. (laughs) Okay. Next life. (laughs) Next week, maybe. When the suffering comes to you, then it's like, oh, that's why suffering comes to us. So we seek the guru. It hurts because we, well, how do you get out of the hurt? You love more. You forgive more. You pray for your enemies. You work on your own peace. Work on your own fact. And come to the point where you can say, I am part of the guru. I'm made of light. I'm one with the guru. And then you'll feel their presence more and more. It might shock you. It's really fun. Let them come. Come to realize they're with you all the time. And they've always been with you. While you were groaning and moaning about your poor little self, they were like just with their hand around you just going, oh, it's going to get better. That's the guru. That is the infinite love that loves you. Live for that. Make your daily routine just a little bit more in tune with that. Chant, meditate, pray, serve. But do what you have to do. You can't change your karma overnight. Maybe you work in a very unharmonious environment. Bring the guru in. Little teeny pictures on your dashboard (laughs) or your cubicle. (laughs) It's okay. It's whatever you need to do. Or if you know you can't have a picture, that's okay. Formless Christ. Live for God. Think about God. And you'll find that that grace is always with you, always pulling you towards your own center. And you will realize, like Kriyananda, that there's no difference between you and Yogananda. You are Yogananda. You're part of that. That is your reality. The rest of it, it's just a dream.